0: Miley. We need some intro music.
1: I like it. I like it. I like it. Woman, get it. Okay, let's go down that road. (laughs) I didn't see that coming. There's a surprise at every turn. Woman, get it. hello welcome to another episode of woman get in podcast I am Miley and I am Mandy and we are uh, thankful to be here with you this week so grateful so thankful oh, feeling refreshed I know you're probably less refreshed not 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 I'm the complete opposite of refreshed. Actually, I am learning that the older I get, I can't do as many things as I used to be able to. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. So I, I am worn out from this past weekend. How, how are you doing though, Mandy? I know you had a busy weekend with, with the vegan social. I did. It was a busy weekend
0: and I was definitely feeling the physical part of it the next day on Sunday. It felt also felt really good. Oh, good. Yeah, it felt nice to be, like, sore like that again, Uh, Yeah, just hauling all the tables and the tents and setting up, and we were on the street for quite a while because I have to get there and set up pretty early, and the event went until 10 o'clock starting this month, so... yeah, we added an entire hour to the event. And I mean, that last hour was just, you know, the first time it goes the extra hour, I think hopefully is the hardest, hopefully moving forward. It doesn't feel quite so long, but I mean, five hours of an event plus, you know, the two hours before getting there and setting up plus minimum of 30 minutes afterwards to tear down. It's a long day standing out on the street. And I have a, you know, I have one of those really comfy anti-fatigue, like a bar mat the mats, you know, that you see bartenders stand on the little rings and the thick rubber, which does wonders. I mean, cause there was a long time doing events where I didn't have one. And now that I have one, it is so nice. one of the girls next to me at a booth I'd never been next to before. She was like, Oh my gosh, that mat is genius. That's such a good idea. I think I might have to go to my people and ask them to get me one. <laughs> um, I was like, yeah, it does really save your back. But I mean, still after, you know, seven hours of being outside, you're kind of done standing and you're tired and, but it was really good. I really needed the like mental break and all the people. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Did anyone help you? Did Shireen help you? Shireen did work
0: with me. Yeah. And then, um, setting up, it was, you know, I know all the guys that run the event. So the, um, some of them were there or they're always there early, but they were there, you know, it just as early as we were getting set up. So they all helped pop up the tent and get me, get my framework set up so that I could do the rest. But yeah, it was, it was good. The weather was nice. It did not rain on us, which it threatened to do. Um, we had tons of people. I mean, the foot traffic, cause we're in a new spot now we're right next to Arizona wilderness, downtown Phoenix. So we're on second street in Roosevelt. The foot traffic was wild. I mean, tons of foot traffic, which doesn't always mean everybody's stopping and buying things, but it was a lot of traffic. It was it was really fun. It was it was good. It was busy. It was nice to be back. I'm I'm really excited for February because we won't be there again because the Super Bowl has things taking over everything downtown that weekend. We're, it's going to be the weekend of Super Bowl, our next event. Um, so we're doing this all day tailgate like morning brunch and then evening, um, night social, like, you know, the two events are going to be all in one day. So I know February is going to be a really, that's <laughs> going to be a big one. I'm already trying to gear up for it, but coming home after the social this week, it was nice. It was like, get everything back up into the condo, man. I slept good.
1: <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. I think I slept until like 9am the next day. Oh, good for you. That sounds incredible. Uh I I I said yes to too many things and I thought I could do it all but uh <laughs> I'm never going to do what I did this past weekend again. Uh but I for the last like 12 12 years I have been the coach for the Miss Vietnam, Arizona Pageant and I also for the last 20 years have been a facilitator, mentor and keynote speaker for a Rotary leadership training program that takes place up in Prescott. And it happens every Martin Luther King weekend because uh, he was a very influential, impactful leader. And we spend this weekend teaching about 100 to 120 high school kids, students, about leadership, team building, work ethic, uh, communication skills, things like that. And uh, both, both things are very important to me. And it's very rare that they ever coincide and happen on the same weekend, but both happened on the same weekend this year. So I attempted to do both and it really wore me out. I made it happen, but I will never do it again. (laughs) And, uh, but both were really great. I had a great experience teaching them about communications as a leader, about active listening. I taught them specifically about the fish philosophy, which is one of my favorite leadership philosophies to talk about. And they, they have to do skits at the end of camp on Sunday night to kind of show what they learned that weekend or this past weekend. And uh, a lot of them referred back to the fish philosophy, which really makes me, I mean, it validates that I did a good job or that I made an impact. And I really love that. And and it's a really fun thing to kind of keep in mind a tool, a fun tool to use for leadership building.
0: Well, you, and, you've, you've told us about the fish philosophy before, but in case for some reason, someone listening hasn't heard all of our episodes, would you remind us briefly of the fish philosophy?
1: I can briefly, hopefully I don't get too <laughs> long-winded because I love to talk about it, but it was based out of uh Pike Place Fish Market in Seattle, Washington. And it's this concept from a big picture level is no matter what industry you're in, especially in any kind of business, there's always going to be businesses or days or, you know, I, I you know, Mandy, you say there are no bad days or only bad moments, yeah. but depending on your profession, you may have the opportunity to choose to have a negative attitude or a poor attitude. And when the makers of the fish philosophy came to see Pike Place Fish Market, they saw that there are a lot of fishermen that, you know, they work long days, they're cold, they're wet all day, they're selling fish, they smell all day because of fish smell, right, but they really created a great work environment, not just for the employees, but for the people, the customers that came by. It wasn't about making a lot of money. Yes, that is a product or an outcome that you strive for. But the experience at the fish market is really important. So they talk about four philosophies, uh, play, be there, make their day and choose your attitude. And they implement these philosophies into the practice or the work culture at Pike Place Fish Market. So these fishermen, they found ways to while taking their work seriously, which is be a fisherman, sell fish, they played around. So they would engage the customers and throw fish and have people try to catch fish. Or they'd pretend like crabs were crawling on kids' backs and they just really engaged the customers that came by while they were doing their job seriously. Then uh, it was about being present in the moment. So instead of kind of falling asleep, waiting for a customer, they would try really hard to make sure that they were in the moment, present with people and not multitasking and thinking about all the things that they still need to get done at home or outside of work. Uh, The third philosophy is making their day. So looking for ways to go an extra step to help people out. When people come to you for a question and you don't know the answer, instead of just saying no and kind of dismissing them, try to see if you can help them find another person who might know the answer. And lastly, choosing your attitude is really powerful because only you can control how you react How you interact with other people in any moment. So yes, you might be on three hours of sleep, really tired, cold and smelly, but it does not give you the, the reason or the excuse to mistreat other people or to be grouchy and angry at other people. You don't have to always be happy, but you don't have to be mean because you've had a bad moment or a bad day. So that's a big philosophy. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you for letting me talk a little bit about that. So I spend some time teaching the students about that and how that can take place in their school environment and their other environments where they might have to work or be a leader in.
0: Nice. I'm sure and, they appreciated that.
1: And uh, we started a tradition about six years ago where we do a dance off. We used oh my to- gosh, I saw you practicing this on your Instagram. <laughs> Is there a full yeah. video somewhere? I haven't posted it yet. We do a flash mob and we do a dance off a few years ago. We about 10, 12 years ago, we started doing a flash mob where I teach all the adults a dance. And on the first day of camp, somebody's teaching something. And suddenly we, we get up and we start dancing and all the adults get up and we, and it's usually a simple dance. So all the students by the end of camp, they know the dance. So they do it with us. So I have videos of that, but on Saturday night, up till about maybe five, six years ago, we were doing square dancing Saturday night. One year, the person who does square dancing couldn't make it anymore. So I decided we would do a dance off. So we split the camp into two groups. I teach one group and another volunteer teaches uh, the other group a dance. And then we like, face each other and we dance to each other and then there's a panel of judges that vote to see who did it best and uh i am the reigning champion for the last like three years and i thought i was gonna lose again this year because the other the other volunteer picked a really great song and mine was to spice girls wannabe And it wasn't as energetic as the other group, but it was much more technical. And my group, I really emphasized teamwork and uh, being creative and they worked together to help me choreograph it. And, uh, and so we won because of that. And I'm really proud of them. They really worked well together and listened. They were very good at listening.
0: That's really cute. I think having a, a willing team is a big part of, uh, success in something like that also I gotta tell you when you tell me the two teams face each other and like dance off I'm picturing this old Michael Jackson music video I don't know if it's bad or beat it but it's one of those from that album where it's like two rival gangs in this like dance off in a garage
1: (laughs) yes that's exactly how it is I I should take some video I'm pretty sure there's some video footage that I could show about but it really is just, it's so fun too, because they like face each other and like, we're like this, but like, you know, we, we put our arms together and we have this attitude to each other, but it's all fun and games kind of. And <laughs> That's
0: yeah. so funny. I also really uh, thought it was funny that you're saying, you said yes to too many things, because in this episode, you actually talk about that exact thing.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, today's episode, we... <laughs> We talk about boundaries with my good friend, Jesse Lee, and how I am a, I'm definitely a work in progress. I recognize, I think recognition is the first step, right? Admission, a confession is the first step or whatnot. So I know that I say yes too much. I need to be better at setting boundaries or what my brother calls filters to help me decide if I should say yes or no. I like
0: I like how your brother always puts these like other words on things to try to spin them into some new way or get you thinking about it differently or less scared about it my brother he's he's a hoot (laughs) he's like let's call boundaries filters (laughs) maybe you need a double ply filter for this one (laughs) yes oh yes double triple quadruple that (laughs) It's so funny. After this episode, I was like, I was thinking about boundaries. And I mean, obviously, because we talked about them with her for 30 or 40 minutes, whatever it was. And I was like, where are my boundaries weakest? And it's funny. I think I have, I feel like I have really good boundaries with people, generally speaking. Like, I feel like my boundaries with myself are the most loosey-goosey. So it's something that I'm going to be, I am revisiting. Like boundaries with my time and making sure I like stick to, I I loved when I had my calendar blocked out for events during the day. And, you know, since I started working for myself, I still calendar block a lot of my day out to bake this, deliver this, bake frost, you know, like all these little tasks get blocked out on my calendar, make sure I have appropriate amount of time to get everything done. But there are still like times in the day where I find I, I lose times in the day, I'll get distracted doing something I shouldn't, or with the end of the recent the relationship that I just ended, which we will probably talk more about soon. There were definitely some boundaries where I was like, why did I let that go? What the fuck? So yeah, it was an interesting episode to record and then listen back to.
1: Yeah. I loved listening back to it. And you're right. There's a couple things I wanted to say. One was, uh, you know, I, I dance between when I'm in a relationship, I never know if letting go of a boundary is appropriate or not. Because I think there are some instances where maybe letting go, of a boundary, letting go of a boundary might be healthy and or the appropriate decision to make. And then there are some times where looking back, you say, actually, letting go of that boundary wasn't as appropriate as I thought, or why did I let that go? And, and so it's really, I think that might be a future topic to kind of discuss when is it appropriate to let go of a boundary? Because just Jesse and I mean, we spoke with Jesse about rigid and different types of boundaries. And so having that discussion, knowing the reason why behind a boundary that you have might help you decide when it is appropriate to let go or adjust a boundary.
0: Yeah. And it was, and it was, the boundary itself was like safety, like never feeling safe with this person. I'm like, why did I let that go? That is true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, uh, why did I ignore that? I guess is more like not even so much letting it go. It's like, why did I ignore that?
1: Yeah. That's a good point too. And so all of this is self-aware, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. you think you are aware, but you don't know until like hindsight is 2020. We don't know until we start thinking about it. And reflection is so important. The second oh, yeah. thing I was gonna say is you said, uh, you know, sometimes your your boundaries with yourself are loosey-goosey. And I was thinking, referring back to our episode, uh Instead of loosey goosey being squishy. <laughs> yeah, we did say squishy. Did we say squishy and smushy? But we said, we definitely said squishy. <laughs> I like squishy because in Finding Nemo, uh, there's a scene where uh, one of the characters says, uh, Hi, my name is squishy because I, something about being squishy and I really like being squishy. And so that's why I'm squishy. And it's a really cute quote that I love. And I always think the word squishy always reminds me of Finding Nemo. It, it, that's hilarious. But Jesse is really good
0: about sort of feeding or not feeding, but let's go back to your brother, filtering. Um, <laughs> she's really good about talking through boundaries. And I think what it boils down to is sometimes it, it, there's also we have to be gentle with ourselves, right? So sometimes if you're feeling one way, it's like, no, I just I need to take 10 minutes and just scroll on Instagram, I know mm-hmm. it's going to put me 10 minutes behind in my day, but I just need to step aside or yeah. go for a walk, whatever you got to do. Sometimes you have to make little shifts in your day to just for your, the sake of your mind, yourself, you know,
1: taking care of yourself and r- realizing that you you need to also be mindful of those limitations. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if I like the word limitations though. <laughs>
0: The sky is the limit and when you like reach for the moon, because if you hit the stars, you've done pretty well.
1: Mm -hmm. True that. Well, then we hope you have a wonderful time listening to this episode and enjoy all of the wisdom that Jesse has to share because we surely enjoyed it.
0: Yes, we did. Let's get into it.
1: Have a really good friend of mine. I'm super excited to introduce Jessie Lee. Actually, her real name is Jessica Lee, and it never occurred to me until she sent me an email about some content. (laughs) And her email said Jessica Lee in it, and in my head, I was like, "Who's Jessica Lee?" And then I realized, "Oh, it's Jessie." (laughs) (laughs) But but I've known Jessie for about a year now, and she is actually the younger sister of one of my flight instructors. I met her through him, and we. Got to know each other really well. And I remember one of the first times we hung out together, we just started chit-chatting like really good friends. And then I learned that she is a mental health clinician, and that is probably why she is so good at talking and chatting and really understanding and uh, showing a lot of compassion. And so we are super excited to have her on our show today. Welcome, Jesse. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. And
2: thanks for all the kind words, Miley. Yeah. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Things are going well. Nice, yeah. easy Saturday. So.
1: Now you are in Texas, actually.
2: Yeah, I moved here about a year and a half ago. I was in Arizona with you guys. but I just I learned that
0: <laughs> right before we got started. You mentioned coming back to Arizona.
2: Kind of. I'm hoping she comes or back maybe to just, Arizona to yeah. visit
1: and or move back, right? Maybe.
2: Fingers yes. Crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I definitely want to move back to Arizona. Me and my husband, that's where we met. We live there. Love it. Um, so we're essentially trying to get back there. What took so, you to Texas? So my husband got a job out here. He works um, in the energy business. So we moved out to Houston, trying it out here. And we just prefer Arizona for more desert people. I, th- <laughs> so I thought for sure back. you
0: were like, I moved to Texas to start fighting for women's rights because the state <laughs> is so backwards.
2: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Don't even get me started. It's not fun being a woman here. It's kind of terrifying, honestly. So another reason to go back to
1: Arizona. You're
0: you're white, or at least you appear white. So you (laughs) have that going for you. (laughs) Yeah, there's something going well, for me I, but yeah I, but yeah it does feel like a war on women in general in the united states and in texas well, i just
1: woof. i remember i visited yeah. i visited houston a couple months ago and jesse and i went to whiskey cake which that's mm-hmm. a whole other story that we should so be about and
2: cake are two of oh, my favorite things oh, amazing but, oh uh, the whiskey cake so good oh,
1: I, I remember jesse telling me some some stories of her going to the grocery store and how sometimes you feel unsafe
2: going there yeah yeah, one time I went and there was this guy that was, like, following me around the grocery store. He, like, didn't even have a shopping cart, didn't even pretend like he was grocery shopping. Like, he would just follow me. And then I, like, lost him for a while and I was like, okay, you know, that's good because I just felt, uh, you know how you kind of have that feeling, like, that gut feeling where something's, like, really off and it's just a horrible feeling? I felt that every time I looked at him or when he would like stare at me really weird. So when I lost him, I was like, Oh, good. Okay. I'm feeling safer now. And then I was like getting dog food in the back corner of the grocery store. And then he showed up and no one else was around. And I'm like, Nope. Gonna ditch the dog food. I'm leaving. And I had like someone like walk me to my car and everything, but it was, it was was, like middle of the day on a weekday too. So
1: But on this, (laughs) yeah, on the same visit that we were talking about this, we also Mm -hmm. talked about how I had recently attended a a keynote with Brene Brown. And that's where we started talking a little bit about boundaries. And Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why we invited Jesse on the show was because uh, during that conversation, Jesse and I had a great conversation about boundaries and how Brene Brown, she talks about how boundaries is a two-part situation where sometimes people are very good at communicating the first part of boundaries, which is, you know, what is my boundary or where is the door and things like that. But they fail to talk about the second part, which is uh, what you may or may not have done correctly or how to do it correctly next time. And that kind of sparked the idea of how do we communicate? about boundaries. How, how does that conversation look like? And so we're super excited to kind of talk about it today.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks for inviting me on to talk about it. Cause I work with boundaries all the time with my clients. It's One of the main things we go over.
0: I was going to say, I feel like I started to recommend it. I feel like a lot of our struggles in relationships are directly related to boundaries. Either we haven't we haven't communicated them. We haven't discovered them. We haven't, um, maybe held them. Like we know our boundaries and we've communicated them, but someone repeatedly crosses the line or, um, just disregards them. I feel like that's a, that's a really big thing. And, um, either the boundaries we have with other people or the boundaries we have with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think that's, that totally makes sense that that's a lot of work and that's, a, or that's a lot of what you do for work.
2: Yeah. And it's not like something that there's a quick, easy fix for with boundaries. Like it's something people have to practice for a long time before they become like a pro. And it, a lot of it is like other people respecting your boundaries. because so fortunately we can't control what other people do. We only have control over us and how we go about communicating boundaries and setting them. So yeah,
1: I would mm-hmm. also think we can only control how we navigate through those boundaries but also how we respond when people do respect our boundaries and or what is the word uh break or not listen to disregard or disregard our boundaries. Right. How do you react yeah. to that as well? I'm not the best when somebody break- what disregards like about- violates
2: your boundaries. Violates, violates. Yeah. that's a great word. Yes. I love the word violate. <laughs> Sounds so aggressive. <laughs> Oh, well, it is aggressive. You know, when people cross those boundaries, it's not okay. Yeah. But I think we to need to stop
0: being soft and squishy around the language of it when someone violates your boundary, like you have crossed the line.
1: I really like that word squishy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: She's like side note.
1: <laughs> well, because I, 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 I am squishy yeah. around boundaries and and I think that's part of it too, because sometimes what happens is when someone violates a boundary, I start to wonder if I'm being too rigid with my boundary and if I need to be squishy and then I become squishy, but then I start to feel bad that, or, or I start to have resentment or I start to feel uncomfortable because I've become squishy about my boundary.
0: I have found that I am most uncomfortable when I am squishy with my boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> so if I am not holding myself and basically a lot of it's about holding myself to a level of integrity that I feel good. Like I feel good about me when I'm holding, you know, these certain things to be true. And I expect that from the people around me. And when I don't do that, most of my anger or resentfulness is usually directed at myself.
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. And part of having like a healthy boundary is not violating your own values or anyone else's staying true to yourself and like feeling comfortable. So that yeah, First part. Yes. Healthy boundary there. So good job when that happens. <laughs> Before we discuss
0: how to communicate boundaries to people, how do people go about discovering or defining their boundaries? Although a lot of us are like, yeah, I have boundaries. Like I'm, I know when I can say no to someone and some people don't know when to say no or how to say no, but
1: that's me. <laughs> my, right. my hand right now, I'm still discovering that in my third decade of life. It's a flexible
0: thing though. And our boundaries change as we go along, like in your twenties, thirties, forties, your boundaries are going to be different depending that's on the things point. happening in your life. And. Uh, you know, just where you are in general, like what's going on if you get a family versus if you're single. I think your boundaries around things will shift. I'm just curious, although everybody knows the word boundaries, I think at this point, I don't think anyone's a stranger to this idea. It's like, how do people go about discovering them and really kind of documenting that for themselves?
2: It's a really complex question. So I'm going to like throw a bunch of information at you guys. So bear (laughs) with me. Yes, yes, yes. And if I get confusing or whatever, please just ask me to clarify or anything. No worries. So this is where we do a lot of groundwork with my clients. The first step in that defining and discovering what your boundaries are is really understanding that there's a lot of different types of boundaries. So you've got Physical boundaries, that's including personal space and physical touch. Um, you've got emotional boundaries having to do with like a person's feelings. Intellectual boundaries, that is referring to like thoughts and ideas of for yourself and for others. Sexual boundaries, so it's that emotional, intellectual, and physical boundaries, but within the aspects of sexuality. Um, and then we've got material boundaries, that's referring to like money and possessions, And then time boundaries, which this is a huge one that also comes up a lot in sessions of, yeah, like how a person uses their time and really just divides it between different areas in their life. So one, understanding all these different types of boundaries and they exist and really what they entail. And then once you're like thinking like that, then I have my clients assess whether they feel like their personal boundaries in their life right now fall into A rigid category, a porous category, or a healthy category. A rigid boundary, the category would look like someone who's, you know, rigid. It would be someone who keeps others at a distance. They may do this to, like, avoid the possibility of rejection. They might avoid intimacy and close relationships. They're unlikely to ask for help. They have few close relationships generally like, very protective of personal information, just like that kind of closed off rigidness.
0: Is, is um, that like how yeah. I've had friends for 10 or 15 years that don't know my last name?
2: <laughs> yeah, I would say that's kind of rigid. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, people need to know, no, but like, it's <laughs> funny. I've literally had friends who yeah. don't know my last name for years and years and years. A friend who is like a very acquaintance type of friend until recently i helped her recipe test for her cookbook she's like by the way what's your last name because i just don't put it on social media (laughs) so my name has never been out there but that's what that made me think of (laughs) I
1: think it's been conscious
0: oh it was totally conscious like the from the first time i got facebook in like 2005 or something uh I never put a last name on social media. It was always a privacy thing for me.
1: Right, so I was gonna yeah. say, is it really rigid to the <laughs> point where you're unwilling to, no. or it was more of a uh smart, like very careful about the public knowing, like the whole world knowing who you are, kind of thing. Yeah, just
0: forethought into knowing that I don't want the internet knowing everything about me.
2: Yeah, and I'd say that actually falls more under the healthy side because <laughs> yeah. you're doing it for a safety reason, right? You yeah. don't want people to know personal information on social media and things, like I feel like that's safe. So and healthy. Yeah. I also close friends put, not know. <laughs>
0: yeah. I also always put the wrong birth date down on anything I ever enter. <laughs>
1: You're starting to sound like my brother. (laughs) I'm just like,
0: why does this random site need my birthday? You know what I mean? I'm like, why
1: do you do that? I do that too. But maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jesse. So maybe rigid is more of a negative. That doesn't seem like a negative I know
0: people who have had rigid boundaries in the past. It's like, they're very closed off. They're hard to become friends with. They're hard to have maybe a deep conversation with. Yeah. It's like, okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would say maybe if we were as close as we claim to be and and you don't tell me your last name, <laughs> that would be rigid probably because if yeah. we know each other at the, the depth that we have known each other for the last three, I mean, we've known each other for 10 plus years, but yeah. the last three years, we've definitely been closer mm-hmm. and maybe after three years of being so close and you still won't tell me your last name
2: or where <laughs> yeah, I live other than <laughs> or where you live. <laughs> yeah. That would be rigid, you know, just like kind of closed off <laughs> Yes, whatever we want to call that. So that makes sense. Okay. Yes. An example. Um, and then next we've got porous boundaries. So this is like all the way on the opposite end. So it could look like someone who's almost too involved with others. Like they'll overshare personal information, um, have a hard time like saying no when anyone asks them to do anything. And just because of that, they have that like fear of rejection. If they don't comply with others, they're very dependent on the opinions of others. And they're generally more susceptible to like abuse and disrespect because they have that porous boundary or like Miley you said earlier that like squishy I feel like that kind of goes with porous boundaries sometimes depending
1: I was gonna say sounds
2: a little squishy <laughs> yeah, <laughs> smells a little, a little so... squishy sounds a little squishy <laughs> yeah so a little bit squishy but porous boundaries there That makes sense. Yeah. um yeah and then we've got the healthy boundaries so this would look like someone who is fine, like saying no when they want to, but they're also comfortable opening themselves up to intimacy, close relationships, just connecting with people. They don't compromise their own values or other people's values. They share personal information, but in an appropriate way, like they're not oversharing or undersharing. They're just good at communicating them. And they also like respect other people's boundaries. Like if someone tells them no, it's like, like, okay, yeah, that's their boundary. I'm going to respect it. And then you respect my boundaries type things. We've got the rigid, porous, healthy boundaries there.
1: I feel like it's kind (laughs) of like a spectrum. Yeah. And it's not like you're always in one spot or another or with different people, you may be somewhere on that spectrum, depending on expectations and the depth of the relationship as well.
0: I think the specific, could the specific boundary be like, could I be rigid on some boundaries and maybe less on others. Like, I feel like the boundary may be specific yeah. to how, where it falls in that spectrum.
2: Yes. Which brings me to the next part of this, like activity I do with my clients is I have them first pick out a couple of different relationships in their life. Um, like could be coworkers or their best friend, their partner parents is a big one. (laughs) Um, And then like, even kids, siblings, like, I just have them pick out a couple different relationships. And then we'll go through each boundary that physical, emotional, intellectual, all of those. And then I have them assess, okay, with this person in this boundary, do you feel like you fall on the more rigid, porous or healthy? And why just so they can like identify a few things, because they need to take time and really think about it. And it is different between a person and a setting and everything. So it's a very thorough activity I make them do, but it's necessary. <laughs> I yeah. love how thorough it is. Mm-hmm.
1: Because yeah. sometimes you just don't dedicate enough time to do it on your own. But sometimes doing it on your own, you're not even sure if you're doing it right too. So it's nice to go through it with someone who is trained, a, a, a professional who, and also who can be a soundboard for you mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. sometimes it's all in your head until you start talking it out loud. And then, then things start to kind of, make more sense or you can start to actually really define what's going on in your head.
0: Yeah. It sounds like a a really, almost like a group activity meeting, like with someone who's trained like a professional, it sounds like that would be the, a really good way to really break it down and understand it.
2: I like it. Yeah. We have a lot of discussions um, just around this. Like even though I am a professional, I don't always have the perfect answer. So sometimes like we just need to talk it out together. Like I had a client a couple of weeks ago, we were doing this to give me some example. I don't remember the specifics. So I'm like, Oh, you know, that sounds really rigid. But then we we're talking about a little bit more. It's like, Oh, no, that's actually more porous because of like this reason. So like, yeah, just talking yeah. it out and with someone else's Helpful. Well, it's kind of like me. what we
1: just <laughs> talked about, Mandy's thing. At first, we thought it was rigid, but then we realized maybe it's more healthy, depending on yes, the reasons yes. why. So that's why, like, talking it out with somebody else is really helpful. Sometimes a lot of thoughts go on in my head and then they get jumbled, and then I'm all confused <laughs> until I get to talk to somebody about it.
2: Yeah, it's a nice way to just lay it all out there, get your thoughts out loud, and then just kind of sort through it. So that's basically majority of groundwork that happens around like discovering and defining what everyone's boundaries are. Cause it's also different for everyone, what they feel comfortable with. And oh, for sure. So,
0: Once they've identified their boundaries and where they fall on that spectrum and with the different relationships they have in their life, where do we go from there? Like, how do you, how do we communicate like the ones that we are not, maybe holding like if we're real porous on some and it's they identify that it's I mean I imagine there's a way it's it's probably negatively affecting your life in some way
2: yeah so the next part I like also have them once they figured it out where their boundaries lie with all these different relationships I have them pick out okay what's most important to you now what's affecting you the most like where where do you you want to start with your boundaries because we can't do them all in one go That's oh, no, that would be a lot <laughs> <laughs> so we like pick one and then from there we kind of decide what do you want this boundary to look like how can we bring it more over to the healthy side so just yeah kind of deciding what do you want it to look like if you could choose what do you want it to look like I don't know if that answered your question. It does. <laughs> the it, next it, part. it
0: does. So then it's like figuring out where you want it to go from there and then figuring out. So now we're basically to the part where you need to start communicating your boundaries to the people who have not been in a good relationship with your boundaries or have been yes. violating them. Yes. Um, like, <laughs> when, when you're moving into that phase of communicating your boundaries to a person or people, I mean are there so I I just kind of thought immediately like are there things you need to take into consideration like the time and the setting is there like what kind of things do people need to take into consideration and how do you go about making that first step
2: Yeah so that's also kind of a tough one because we don't always have control over the time and setting we can't control when someone's going to violate our boundary where it happens all of that but Ideally, in a perfect world, the best time to kind of discuss this and set a boundary is right at the beginning of a relationship, meeting someone, you kind of like get to know them how they are, and then you kind of work forward and like, okay, hey, these are my boundaries going forward. So that would be the most ideal time and place. But, but what if
0: this is like a yeah. parent who, as your relationship evolves in adulthood with your parents, say, "Uh, it's like you know, I no longer live with my parents and suddenly Mm my mom or dad is becoming X, Y, and Z. And, you know, in my space in such a way that it's not healthy, it doesn't feel good anymore. Like how do, like, and we used to be happy, hunky-dory relationship. How do I get back to that point where I don't feel like my parent is, you know, whatever it might be, however, they're violating, like, you know, picking on me about things or whatever.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so for relationships that are already established, there are a lot of natural boundaries that both parties are already used to. I mean, familial (laughs) patterns are real. Oh, yes, definitely. It's really like ingrained. And those ones are harder boundaries. So obviously, we can't start over with a relationship with our family that is already established. So with that, it comes discussion about changing a boundary. And that definitely takes a lot more work for that type of relationship. The most ideal time and setting for that would be when both parties are, they have an open mindset, they're you're in a safe location to just talk openly and be vulnerable and then kind of discussing like, okay, this, what's going on right now is not okay. It's violating some of my boundaries. Here's what I want it to look like going forward. So that would be most ideal. But again, we don't always have control over all of that stuff. So my go-to is once you recognize that a boundary is being violated, address it right then and there. Like as soon as you recognize that it's happening, like just do it then.
0: When you're feeling Um, it say, you know, that doesn't feel very good when you do X, Y, Z or say X, Y, Z, it makes me feel blank.
1: Yes. Yeah. So I have a funny, but not funny example (laughs) that I can share that might demonstrate this, but let me know if, if it doesn't. Uh, if not, then it's a funny story. So <laughs> I'm 36 and I'm single. Oh, my God. <laughs> and not, How dare you? <laughs> but it's, it's apparently, it's a problem from my mother. And every opportunity she has to talk to me about the cons of being single at my age is she takes every opportunity she can uh, when we have dinner. When, when we're on the phone, just chit-chatting about our day. Uh, So it gets to a point where in the beginning, I would just listen to her and just Mm -hmm. let her rant on until I was ready to say, oh, mom, I, I, I have to take a phone call. I have to go do something. She just picks up her phone. Hello. (laughs) Uh, And it bothered me a lot. And then my brother suggested that, that I need to stand up for myself. So then I started saying, anytime she brought that up, I would actually tell her mom, I don't want to have this conversation. If you continue having this conversation, I will hang up. Or if it's in person, I will say, you know, mom, I don't want to have this conversation. I disagree with what you're saying. And then if you don't stop, I will leave. And, but I think the thing about family is sometimes they don't (laughs) listen. (laughs) And my mom still, still breaks that boundary. Like even last night. Oh, my parents, they are the
0: older they get, the smaller they get like children.
1: Right. And so sometimes (laughs) that's where we kind of have to, I think, again, it's a dance with this boundary and this spectrum. And it's a rigid boundary for me that I don't want to open up to her about my dating life or about things related to that. Uh, And it hurts me whenever she talks about the cons of being (sighs) single at my age. So every, every time, time you balance. say
0: the cons of being single at your age, I like fall asleep. I'm like, oh my god, it's like it's such a tired topic. But that it's terrible for a woman, or I guess man. But I feel like that's so directed at women to it be is, single yeah. over thirty yeah. is oh, yeah. like just this horrible fate that could have fallen it's upon not. you. How?
1: Oh, why? You're so pretty. You're so smart. All this fuck. Oh
0: my god, it makes me not.
1: <laughs> So hey, I wonder, me, yeah. I wonder. you know, for, for many of our listeners, I don't know if I'm alone or if there are other people that can relate, but mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not at a stage where I'm going to like cut my mom off for my entire life. Yes. It annoys right. me. Yes. I don't want to talk about it. So in quote, in one way, I just put up with it because I'm mm-hmm. okay. Putting up with it for now until and there are many moments where I do just hang up on the phone. <laughs> and then, and there are days where I just go into a different room and I shut the door. And then my mom knows that she can't she she, I'm not listening anymore uh so I don't know again that's a dance depending on the day with my mom because I'm not going to cut her off because she's violating my boundary on that specific day but what do you Mm -hmm. think about that what do you what are your
2: thoughts about I think that's great and that's something we have to do especially with people who are constantly violating the boundary no matter how many times we communicate to them like hey this is my boundary. When this happens, I feel this way. And all of that. So with people like that, you do have to do those extra things like, okay, well, I've already communicated. I've done that part can't control your behavior. But if this happens, yeah, I'm going to hang up, I'm going to walk away, just be respectful of your own boundaries for yourself. You have to respect yourself. So I think that's the perfect example. And you are definitely not alone. I hear so many people where that happens. So you're not alone, but perfect way to go about it with those types of
0: people. Yeah. I like the, I've, I've always said, so there have been people around me who will tell me probably a little bit like yourself, like why you probably got into the mental health field is that people, you found yourself naturally sort of being a person that people will just tell things to and open up to and confide in and trust. And people do this a lot with me, which I don't mind. I love talking about things and I'll, I'm great listening. So people will tell me things and I'm like, we really just in like, you can't storm off and be mad and not tell them what just happened because and it's, it's going to repeat. It's going to continue to occur until you let that person know like, whoa, that I hated that, or I didn't like that, or I felt terrible when you said that, or whatever it is, you have to tell the person when it's happening, what is happening and let them know that that's not okay. And hopefully you can go a little bit further into figuring that out for yourself. But like, if you're feeling bad about, if someone's making you feel bad in some way, you just need to tell them right when it's happening. Cause like, it's really hard to come back to the conversation like a day or 10 days or month later because like no one remembers it then and all you remember is the emotion and the details have been lost
2: Mm -hmm. yeah so that's why I say like when you notice it's happening address it then but also like it is okay if you wait a couple days and come back to it like I don't want you anyone to feel like oh well it was a missed opportunity I'll wait till it happens Mm -hmm. next time because we want to avoid a next time as much as possible the missed
0: opportunity is a great way to say that like you don't want to feel like you've lost the opportunity just because you didn't do it right then and there I mean I I I agree with you I Mm -hmm. think within a certain number of days or something if it's like really nagging on you and you're like why did that bother me so much what is the deal here then you're like oh I've I've got a boundary that's been violated. Like, maybe you don't even know what caused you to get all riled up right oh, then. Yeah, I was just yeah. gonna
1: say that maybe taking a couple of days before responding is also.
0: We're cancers, though. Miley yeah. and I, so we're very introspective.
1: <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> Cancer, you Gemini, aren't you in June too? Oh, she, yeah, I'm
2: a Gemini though. Gemini,
1: okay, yes, but yeah. I know you're June 16th. No, June, well, don't we June don't need to put her birthday? Oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> I right, take that back. All right. It's January 7th. It's today. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, so yes, Cancer Gemini. But uh, I was just going to say, I am really slow at recognizing, like I'm at a place in my life where I'm trying trying to uh, listen to my body. Try. I'm, I- I'm trying to listen to my body a little bit more when I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. And so usually it takes me a couple of days And then for me to figure out why I feel so uncomfortable and then it comes to me that maybe there was a boundary that was violated that I didn't even know. And then it takes me a couple more days to gather up my thoughts and words to actually communicate with the person.
0: This reminds me of what you said earlier that this is a practice and you just don't mm-hmm. learn it in a semester and then are perfect yeah. <laughs> at it for the rest of your life like it's a daily practice it's like anything else it's like hitting the gym you don't work out for 6 months and then you're fit forever this is like you know what yeah. you eat yeah. what you put in your body the the people that you surround yourself with this is the habits the everything you do every day this is a daily practice and the more mm-hmm. you do it the better and more like in my experience the the more i did it the more i was involved in it and the more I actually practiced it, the faster I was to realize when something wasn't good with me and say something.
2: Yeah. So it's okay to take time. Like I will have a lot of clients, like an event happened since I would last seen them and they're like, wait, I'm going to wait until I have a session with Jesse and just like talk about it and practice what I want to say, what happened and all of that. Cause we'll do a lot of role-playing with having a conversation around setting a boundary. So yeah, it's okay to take time and to process and plan and be prepared for when you do set the boundary.
0: That's awesome. What a service.
1: Can I, can I <laughs> just take a moment and then do yeah. a plug-in for therapy? One of the things, especially when I have major issues in the last few years, I've had a lot of relationship issues and I would, I'm very over emotional? Maybe I'm just very emotional. No, there's
0: no such nope. thing as being over emotional. Yeah. Object. You know, Objection! I
1: Objection! Yeah, yes. I
0: object to that I, too.
1: I feel I feel overwhelmed with the emotions that I have. Is that? Yeah, like I just have a lot of emotions that I'm trying to process through. And it was so mm-hmm. nice to know that I would have a therapist to kind of uh, walk and talk that through with. And so when in between my sessions with a therapist, it was so nice to be like, okay, I can actually set this emotion aside or set this event or problem aside, because I know I'm going to be seeing my therapist in three days. It allowed me to kind of function until I could get to my appointment and be able to, to chat with a therapist. I think it's great if people consider therapy.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like therapy is maintenance for the mind and emotion. Oh, I so. like that. Good maintenance. Everyone should do it. Even if you feel like, ah, I'm not messed up enough for therapy. I've heard people say that. I hate when they say it, but oh. it's like, no, everyone just needs therapy. It's nice to have an outside perspective and someone who is just there to help you. Like it's it's, it's good to have. The people
0: who say they're not messed up enough for therapy are the people who are uh, I, like, if, if I ever heard someone say that, I'd be like, wow, you have like zero self-awareness. <laughs> for
2: you. Yeah. Like like, you sound like someone who would very much benefit from therapy.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, I thought she was going to say, you sound like someone who needs it the most. I mean that too,
0: you have like, but if you have zero self-awareness to the point where you're like, I could not benefit from any outside help and perspective on navigating my relationships. Like, I mean, that's like 8,000 red flags for me. You're probably not the person who's ready for therapy. I mean, if you don't think you need it, you're not ready for it. And you're not going to own up to any of the things that are struggles in your life because you just don't fucking see them like Mm -hmm. okay like enjoy enjoy not needing therapy see you later
2: (laughs) yeah hopefully they change yeah I have so many people a lot of teens that are like forced into therapy and it's like if they're not ready they're not to the point they're not as accepting and they're just gonna push really hard on it when you're ready definitely try it it's not as scary as you think but try it when you're open to it
1: One thing that's really important for me that I've recently learned about boundaries and having that discussion about boundaries is like, it's really important not to just tell someone what your boundary is, but it's really important to share with them why your boundary is what it is and vice versa. If someone tells you a boundary that maybe like their boundary conflicts with your boundary, that's Mm -hmm. why I think conversation is so important because sometimes what happens is Maybe if you can understand each other's boundaries and the reasons why you, maybe those boundaries can then not necessarily like compromise in a bad way, but once you understand, maybe that dance between the boundaries could be more that, that could fit together.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like you guys navigate. There was a lot like- of hand gestures that the people <laughs> here
0: <laughs> could not see. <laughs> Miley was trying to sign language something that wouldn't come out verbally. So, if, I'm curious to hear what Jesse has to say
1: about this. Sorry,
2: I, it was a little confusing, but I, I think I get what you're saying. Like that is one of the parts when you start discussing a boundary with someone is like you want it to be a conversation. You don't want to like be talking at them because you want to work with them to work forward, right? So sometimes there is that like negotiation piece where you're like like, yes yeah it's like hey I, (laughs) I feel this way when this happens can we try this next time do you have any ideas of how we can like you know, move forward with it. So yeah, that is a really big piece when you're talking about setting boundaries. I
0: like this because basically what you're leading into is what I was thinking was, is there a framework to lay out to somebody? Like, are there key components that you need to say to a person when you're having this like boundary talk?
2: Yeah, the whole framework of having that conversation about setting boundaries is a lot of what we've talked about. One, you got to know what your boundaries are. So doing that, defining and exploring of what your boundaries are in all these different areas with different people. Once you know your boundaries, the next step is like, okay, what do I want to say? I know this is my boundary. How can I communicate it? And there's like a lot of Quick, easy phrases you can do for initially identifying like, hey, boundaries being crossed, I need to tell this person. Because another thing is a lot of people don't realize they're crossing your boundary. And so another good reason to communicate like, why is this a boundary for you? And that comes with the uh, I feel statements. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with I feel statement like formula. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for so some of our oh, listeners
1: yeah. who may not, can you... God, give, yeah, us few. So, yeah, give us a little example
2: so it's you say I feel and then you identify an emotion using descriptors as well like I feel hurt. sad when yeah I feel scared. scared when yeah when this thing happens so another thing about I feel statements is you want to avoid you statements just because it kind of comes across to the other person often as like accusatory. So we want to avoid that. We just want to communicate your feelings. So I feel this emotion when this happens, And then you go forward with like, hey, well, here's a boundary we can try and put in place or let's try this next time. That kind of like problem solving aspect. So that's kind of the I feel statement formula. I feel this when this happens, what can we do?
1: I don't know if
0: that makes sense.
2: It does.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean,
0: yeah. this could be as simple as you're out to eat with a friend and there's always that one friend, like it comes time to split the check. And like, you always feel like that one friend has ordered the steak and lobster and you had the Caesar salad or something like this could come down to something very simple like this. It's like, Hey, mm-hmm. I'm really uncomfortable that, um, you know, this could be a money boundary. It's like, uh, we're splitting the check. And I feel like I eat 35% of the bill from now on. Could we just get separate checks?
2: Yeah. And that's perfect. Exactly. Like that. That's a great boundary. That's a material boundary. You're identifying what it is. You're explaining why it's a boundary for you and then kind of problem solving for next time and moving forward. So perfect. Yeah.
0: Like not every boundary has to be a big, heavy, (laughs) crazy. It doesn't always have to be, I feel violated when you you know, pick on me or make, when you say these things, I feel picked on. When you say these things, I feel, you know, And also I was thinking when you were talking about identifying the feeling, I was thinking like, it's not, I guess in my head, it's not always good enough or deep enough to say, I feel anxious, even though, because I feel like you need to kind of get to the bottom of that anxiety. Like what is the root of that anxiety? It's like a fear of Mm -hmm. something like loss, safety, whatever it might be. So anyways, Mm -hmm. that's, I just wanted to throw that in there.
2: Yeah, no, that's great. Because a lot of people go go to it like, oh, this is making me feel anxious or whatever. It's like, okay, but what's broad. causing that anxiety? Yeah, it's very broad. So like, this doesn't make me feel safe, type thing, And like that, I feel like it just provides more information, not only for yourself, but the other person. So yeah. yeah. Like instead kind of, of liking-
0: saying, instead of saying the word trigger now, I say activate. So like, I'll say, you know, know. understanding the things that activate me. Versus <laughs> trigger, because I think people have gotten trigger happy on the word trigger. So, and some people just yes. the word trigger <laughs> triggers them. So yes. instead, I'm like the things that activate me or activate you, like understanding when something is activating you, like when you're feeling that, like, oh, I'm activated. Why am I activated? I love that yeah. first step you talked about with like discovering your boundaries, the types of boundaries and where you lie on them sort of leads you into that, like, why, you know. It's a, yeah. kind of a t- slightly different topic, but it leads you into like understanding those quote traumas and things that, mm-hmm. you know, your past has led you to, um, this place of boundaries.
2: Yeah. And um, I love that activating. I'm going to steal that from you if that's okay. Cause yeah, I, feel I borrowed like it like- from
0: somebody <laughs> on the internet. So it's yours.
2: Perfect. <laughs> okay. okay. I will take it. Cause it's a great way to reframe that word triggering to like a more positive, light so I love that the activating yeah important It's good I feel like um it also does a lot of self-discovery in yourself when you can identify all these different emotions so I love emotions it
0: yeah. really makes me nuts I'm sorry Miley it really makes me bonkers <laughs> when like men have no emotion other than mad yeah. I'm like yeah. I'm like and you only have <laughs> like I'm cool I'm chill and I'm mad like Or like, I'm happy or, you know what I mean? Or mad. Like, I was like, you don't have anything Mm -hmm. in between. Like, it makes me bonkers. I'm like, you are not like, this is just for my personal preference. You are not, uh, evolved enough to be in certain spaces with me. If you literally can't define like six emotions you had today, I've probably had 40, you should have at least six.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And not only is it like when you have an emotion, there's always like a secondary emotion, um, my go-to example, I um, have road rage. <laughs> <You> <laughs> I do. do? <laughs> I, I do. I'm like not generally like a very angry person. Like I just it's, but when I'm driving, like I I do get road rage. But my so my primary emotion there is anger, right? That's the rage. But my secondary emotion is like, well, you know, I'm scared that I'm gonna get hurt or someone else is gonna get hurt. So not only do you have multiple emotion emotions throughout the day, but each one has a secondary or even a third tertiary. Yes, yes. Thank you. So there's all these there's a whole hierarchy
0: of emotions. Yeah, I I get that. It's like (laughs) I'm
2: I'm mad that you're
0: making me scared.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And Basically. that happens. Yeah, And uh, a lot of people just need to be more comfortable identifying their emotions because yeah. they're happening, whether we want them to or not. So it's just identifying them. And yeah.
1: A few minutes ago, I was going to share, just reemphasize how it's one thing to know what your emotions are, how you're feeling. It's another to make sure that you communicate that and don't expect others to know what's happening. I mean, I don't know what I don't know. So if I did something or said something that activated you, I love that mm-hmm. word activated you. I may continue doing it, not knowing that it's activating you. And then you right. are over there getting activated and more activated and more activated. And, and how do that doesn't help our relationship. A weird example of this <sighs> it recently happened with me and my flight instructor. And, you know, if he's new, uh, we're, it's a new relationship. <laughs> And, and I, I come to the relationship with, I don't know, lack of a better word, some trauma. And uh, just because I've been through so many instructors and the, like, I have a fear of abandonment because of how many instructors have left me. Well, your
0: fear of abandonment started a long time ago. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And like, it's yeah,
1: debated by my instructor. I feel like you have
0: recreated it like six times in your flying lessons with yeah. six ins- or however many instructors. Been. <laughs> um, an endless list
2: almost.
1: Everything is so unknown, especially with this new relationship. And every time he would give me an assignment or some, for some reason, middle of our flight lesson or whatnot, he would tell me something. And then I would look over to him and I'd be like, okay, like high <laughs> pitch. <laughs> okay. And, and then I just, I'd look at him slow turn, look at him and say, okay. And then I turn back, continue flying. And in my head, I'm anxious. I'm freaked out. I'm like, I I'm trying to understand what he just told me. And I didn't know any of this because like I, it was just happening. And then maybe mm-hmm. like two or three flights ago, he goes, what do you mean when you say it like that? Because I'm not sure how to take that.
0: When you just say, Okay.
1: Yeah. But, but the high pitched. Oh okay. yeah. He was like, what, what is that? And the way he said it to me was very kind. I've had other people say it to me, like, as though I, I have a problem. And he genuinely was just like, what do you mean by that? Like, I just want to understand what's happening with you yeah. when yeah. you go. Yeah, And so yeah. I was like, I don't know. And so it took me about a week to figure this out. And I was actually talking to Katie Martin, my, my, my friend, Katie Martin. I was like, I've been trying to think about this. And I think it's because I get so anxious about how he's responding to me that I get nervous. And then my my, pit, my pitch goes up. And then I'm at the same time, I'm processing the information that he's just asked me to do. And, and the thing is, it happens a lot when I don't know what is going on because he also is teaching me again, little backstory is, uh, he doesn't want me to be fully prepared for everything because a lot of things can happen in aviation. So he's like, I always want you to be prepared that things don't go as planned. And so I'm going to throw things out at you to surprise you to, to see how you react so that if there's ever an emergency in flight or whatnot, and we have to divert, you know what to do, or, you know, the steps to do it, but I just get so nervous. So then when I finally figured it out, I shared it with him. And as I, I finally figured out why I, I do that and he, and he started laughing, he goes, okay, so now I feel better too, because he thought, I don't know what he was thinking, but you know, <laughs> so again, as an example of just communicating and trying to figure out what's happening with you and then communicating that back.
2: I like to try and see the good in people. Um, So I'm choosing to believe that most people don't have the intention of violating any boundaries or making people feel uncomfortable. So that's why like when you talk about like, it's good to explain what's going on with you because they just may have like no clue. They don't know. And they're like, they probably want to make you feel comfortable and all this stuff. So sharing that information and taking time to realize what is going on with you. Like all of that is well, great. Yeah.
1: And taking time, like instead of him just letting it go and fester and never asking me about it. Cause obviously he noticed it and it was bothering him cause he didn't know mm-hmm. how to take it. So I, I appreciate that. He well, yeah.
0: Imagine me. Miley, you as a teacher should know, like if, if you gave someone some feedback in the middle of something and they just went, okay. Like, you'd be like, do you get it? Do you not get it? Are you good with this? Where are we going? Where are we at? What did you take away from what I just said? Repeat it back to me right now, you know?
1: (laughs) And that's why I was like, I feel really good that he, I appreciate that he pointed it out. He
0: basically set a boundary saying, I need more than okay back from you.
1: (laughs) And yeah. I
2: didn't even know I was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> just open communication. I feel like does wonders just, you know, being okay and comfortable addressing those types of things. And the more you do it, the more practice you have, the easier it becomes.
0: Good. I love that. This has been awesome. This is a really good framework and good scratching the surface for people who might be like, want to discover a little bit more about their boundaries are potentially struggling with some relationships and maybe not even considering that it was some boundaries that were being crossed. And I really hope this inspires some people to do a little investigation and self-work and reflection on things that might be, you know, certain areas of our life, they might be struggling. And when I say relationships, obviously that's like friendships, uh, romantic work, a lot of the things you listed in the beginning. Um, I hope people are inspired to do a little digging on, yeah. you know, some parts of their life that might not be optimal right now.
2: Yeah, I hope so. A new year, if people want to start oh. having like a new them, exploring their boundaries, communicating, all of that, I'm all for it.
0: I'm like new day, new me. What can I improve on today that wasn't good? <laughs> don't need a whole, don't wait until the new year, people. Like we're what yeah. a week or some two into like January now. Like don't wait until next year if you haven't already started. Like start this work today. You'll be better for it tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Each day is a new day. You can always improve. So
1: hundred percent. It w- didn't go well today. You try again tomorrow.
0: Yeah. That's what I say yeah. to
1: myself a lot. <laughs> Me oh, <that> too. <laughs> I'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> so Jesse, tell us how people can find a therapist. I know you're out of state and your client book is full right now, but tell people listening, what's the best way to go about finding a therapist in their area? Yes. Yeah.
2: My favorite go to tool to like finding someone who's a good fit for you is um, going to the psychologytoday.com. I love that there's so many filters you can put in. So, one, you can put what your insurance is because that is a huge roadblock in finding a provider is like who takes your insurance. So, one, you can just already decide, okay, this is my insurance, who's cover, covered under it. And then you can also select, okay, I want to. Work or struggle with like depression, anxiety, whatever. So you can check those boxes if you have preferences on like a male or female. It just has all these great filters. So, um, and then also your location, all of that. So, psychologytoday.com is very easy to navigate. That's awesome.
1: And Jesse actually gave me that recommendation probably about eight months ago. I had a friend who was looking for a therapist and It is a great search engine. We were able to find three really good options for my friend and, and it really has helped him. He found a really good one. Uh, It does take a couple, like your first therapist might not be your first therapist, like not be, might not be your therapist. It might take a couple therapists to find a groove, somebody that you mesh well with, but it is a great site. And I definitely did everything Jesse had just stated a couple minutes ago.
2: I'm glad he found someone, but yes. Good point to make. I always encourage every client I meet first time I let them know it's okay to like shop around for a therapist because you want to find someone who you feel comfortable with someone that is a good fit for you. And it's not going to hurt any therapist's feelings. If you meet with them one time and then decide you want to go with someone else that happens. Not everyone is going to be everyone's cup of tea. Definitely shop around find someone you feel comfortable with
0: it's kind of like shoes like it might feel really cute and look good when you're trying them on in the store on one foot, but then you start walking around and you're like, Nope, this ain't it. So like, <laughs> I think you just need to yeah. try it. Out. Cause I mean, therapists and psychology, and, uh, there are just different approaches and everybody has been taught differently and everybody has taken yeah. what they thought is the most helpful to their clients. And some are more listening. Some are more going to give you more tools and things to work on in your own time. And so it's just finding somebody that kind of gels with how you, what you need.
2: Yeah. Oh, and also in psychology today, usually there's like a profile for each therapist. So you can try to get a good initial fill before you like book an appointment. So definitely people should look into that. Again, everyone needs a therapist. It's mm-hmm. great maintenance for yeah. mental health.
1: Thank you so much, Jesse, for being with us today. Yeah. If our listeners are interested in following you on Instagram, you are at JessieJLee. Yeah. And my I add that you love marine animals and you love uh, well you're an incredible painter you have your yes. own Instagram I actually have a painting by Jesse Lee Jesse J yeah. Lee on my wall <laughs> and you can definitely look into Jesse J Lee as well as her painting Instagram as well or talk to her about marine animals uh, I love all that or
2: dogs too I love dogs, oh, yeah, dogs. Mm-hmm. people can reach out to me if they need help with anything I just want to talk I'm there so yeah
1: Thank you so very much, Jesse, for being with us. Thank you.
0: And as a final note, if you would be so kind to give us a rating and review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it is truly helpful to our little show. And if you found this episode helpful to you, please share it on social media or with a loved one. You can find and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Woman Get In. And you can find me, Miley, at Doctor Miley, And I, Mandy, am at MandyPants15 on Instagram. Thanks so much, friends. We'll see you next week.